Studios of WORQ in Wisconsin. This is the Stand Up for the Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up for the Truth. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Hope you're doing well, having a wonderful day wherever you're at, whatever time of day it is. I know a lot of people listen at night. But, uh, Mary, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, a big topic today with uh, Gary Cobb. We're going to be talking about an accelerating one-world agenda, and we're going to get into some details. But let's open by giving thanks to God. Uh, Lord, um, first of all, Father, thank you for saving us, and thank you for giving us hope. Thank you that you are our foundation. You are our stability. You are our unshakable God. We have set you always before us because you are at our right hand. We will not be moved. Uh, thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus, our, our King, our Redeemer, our Savior. We look forward to his return. And, Lord, we know that you're sovereign over all things. As much as we talk about disappointing and sad and unbelievable things we never thought we'd see in this lifetime, we know that you are sovereign. Give us a biblical perspective, Lord. Give us a big picture view of things, and uh, we just praise you and thank you, and we lift up our brothers and sisters listening right now, strengthen their faith, touch them wherever they're at today, whatever they're going through. Um, we know that you will never leave us or forsake us. We thank you for that promise, and help us to grow in the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Help us to walk in a manner worthy of you, Jesus, and please you by bearing fruit, and help us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We lift up this hour, this day, and our lives to you. May you be praised and glorified. Amen. Amen. Gary Kaw is here. Well, not in studio, but he's talking from Indiana. Uh, Hope for the World. You can check out his website. If you're new to this podcast, you can go to Gary Kaw, K-A-H dot O-R-G. Gary, welcome back to the program, brother. Hi, David. It's always good to be with you, and also Mary. Yeah. Good morning, Gary. Yeah, good morning. Lots good to morning. talk about today, and you keep up on a lot of these things, mm-hmm. so many of us don't have to. We just read read what you write <laughs> and say, all right, Gary's got it handled. I'm just going right. to know what I need to know, trust God, and move on. But we're going to dig into some of the details today regarding developments of the World Health Organization. And one of the most concerning things, and this is the beginning of your article you get into the proposed implementation of an international pandemic treaty. Um, we'll get to this, but you also explain and point out Biden calls it an accord, and we'll, we'll explain why. But just open up this conversation, Gary, and uh, how do you want to approach the, pro- the program today? Okay. Well, we, we've been aware of, of this move for about 18 months mm-hmm. and have been following it. And there's a, a strong push, uh, yeah, after uh, the COVID round and how people reacted to it and, and eventually began rejecting the vaccines. Um, so the World Health Organization, in an attempt to crack down, has been in the process of drafting an international pandemic treaty. And uh, toward that end, and to move things along, the 76th World Health Assembly convened last month uh, from May 21st to the 30th in Geneva, Switzerland. 
And the goal right now is to get uh, this completed uh, document, this this treaty, voted on and implemented in May of 2024 at their next assembly meeting. Mm-hmm. So um, they're fine-tuning it right now. They've got already endorsements from over 100 of the world's leaders that they fully expect to sign on to it. So if Joe Biden and the other world leaders um, uh, go along with this, um, of course, it would operate under the auspices of the U.N. because the World Health Organization is a, a, a U.N. agency. Mm-hmm. It would give them the exclusive authority in the event of a pandemic to impose quarantines, lockdowns, obligatory vaccinations, and vaccine passports upon the people. So at that point, we really would no longer be a sovereign nation because we would be bowing to the World Health Organization under the U.N., which is dictating what we have to do. Now, in response uh, to this attempted, I'm calling it a global power grab, Mm -hmm. a man by the name of Mislav Kolakusik, who is a member of the European Parliament for Croatia, he publicly declared the World Health Organization to be a terrorist organization. God bless him. And at a press conference together with <laughs> Dr. Robert Malone, who probably mm-hmm. many of the listeners are familiar with him, he's one of the developers of mRNA technology wow. and has been strongly speaking out against the vaccines. Uh, uh, Malone was backing him up. And here's what he, we, what he said. Uh, I would like to briefly make the people aware of the upcoming danger for humanity. The World Health Organization wants all countries to sign an agreement on handing over the authority to declare a pandemic, procure vaccines and drugs. It will be healthier and safer for humanity to sign an agreement with the Colombian drug cartel. <laughs> they wow. know all about drugs for sure. Wow. So this is uh, uh, Kola He's a member, again, of the European okay. Parliament for Croatia. Uh, so it's interesting that we've got some of our, our people in, in Eastern Europe who are more on top of this and more discerning on this than people in the West. Um, and he goes on to, to make other statements and, and warn against the tight connections between the World Health Organization and China. Yep. In fact, uh, the World Health Organization's head, Tedros Ghebreyesus, some people uh, call his last name Gibracious, whatever you pronounce it, um, he was a Marxist revolutionary leader in Ethiopia, uh, responsible for massive upheaval, mayhem, and bloodshed. Wow. Next thing you know, he becomes the director of the World Health Organization. Of course. Uh, and, and that's how it works. Socialists reward and promote other socialists. And I might add even Guterres, the U.N. Secretary General, he was at one time the president of Portugal, and during that same time, for a few years while he was president of Portugal, he was also the president of the Socialist International, which is the mother organization mm. of most extreme socialist organizations worldwide. He was the leader, uh, basically, of socialism for the world, and he was made the director of the UN. So uh, people, I, I think, don't get the fact that the UN is a socialist, uh, quasi-Marxist organization whose main purpose is to pull the West yeah. into this Marxist uh, globalist agenda for one world uh, government, a one world system. 
and uh, it, things haven't moved fast enough for them. You know, this mm-hmm. this would have been done ten years ago if if they could have pulled it off. Uh, but the problem is they have to be able to mislead and deceive the population of the world enough so that people are willingly uh, going to go along with it. And, and I think that we saw a lot of that happen during the COVID crisis and with this international pandemic treaty that's coming up. Um, they're going to try to take it the next step. Um, I might add also that the Biden administration has been covertly involved in assisting the WHO behind the scenes to yes. clear any remaining uh, hurdles that it faces on all of this. Uh-oh. And so you've had Biden's <clears throat> Health and Human Services Department secretly submitting proposed amendments uh, to the WHO in order for them to reform already existing international health regulations from back in 2005, all to set a stage for this uh, upcoming uh, treaty. And so this administration is already on board. They're in favor of this. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, uh, they helped bring about a zero draft of a pandemic treaty, as it's called. That was first published on February 1st of this year. And subject to changes uh, will be the draft that will be up for ratification uh, by the 194 WHO member states uh, in May of next year. So we're not far away from all this becoming a reality, unfortunately. Well, Gary, really quick, all these nations that are signing on to this, they can't all be globalists and Marxists in their government and their leadership, can they? And what do they get out of this by signing on? Well, that's a good question. Uh, You do have some countries, I would say a majority of these countries now are headed by uh, leaders with socialist tendencies, and that's probably being kind. Some of them are hardcore Marxists. And the main battles have been fought in the United States, Brazil, Hungary, and a few other countries that have been holding out. And you can tell uh, whoever our uh, increasingly socialist media attacks uh, they're probably the good guys who've been trying to fight this off. And those who they are promoting are the ones trying to bring us into all of this. And as far as what do they get out of it, <laughs> in a nutshell, <laughs> that they won't be exposed of all the bad things they've done. Oh. Here's my theory on this. Hmm. Any of the major world leaders Black who've man. gotten to the positions that they have, um, those who are above them, have something on them that they can hold over their heads. And we're seeing that right now with the Biden administration. I mean, they're so compromised with China and everything else that they don't do the bidding for the globalists, they're gone. Um, and and mm. so that's how it is in, in Brazil with the new leader there who's come <laughs> in. And so as long as they play the game and play along, they'll be all right. But mm. if not, everything they've done in the past that's wrong will be brought out to the uh, surface and they'll be done. And and so we're looking at an incredibly evil and wicked system being yes. put in place yeah. with people who yeah. are basically blackmailed and uh, doing the Gosh. bidding for the new world order because they don't want to be exposed for what they really are. That, well, that's th- th- my main answer, really, in a nutshell. <laughs> well, Gary, and what we're seeing, so much of what we're seeing in this chaotic world would not happen without an incompetent president like we have. It just shows, shows up to me why he is where he is, and they stuck him where he is because... Well, he's a puppet. He's a puppet, yeah. but but it's never been clearer to me than when I see stuff like this. Gary, the, um, you talk about the WHO planning a simulation exercise this fall to make sure that when we have a next health crisis, so simulation meaning lie, health crisis meaning lie, so let's call them what they are, they'll be able to move quickly to shut things down and force their agenda upon us. What? 
Ah, th- this really, ha- they're planning something in fall already? What? Yeah. yeah, for some reason they love uh, the months of September and October. Mm. It seems like they always do these simulations in the fall. October surprise. Uh, I, I, I'm sure you're familiar with, familiar with Event 201. Yes. Uh, that was held in New York. That was basically a dress rehearsal for COVID-19 yeah, that was unleashed just yeah. a couple months later. You know, and 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 so they they want to walk through this and make sure they work out any of the bugs as much as possible and that things will unfold according to their liking. And uh, so you've got some powerful people involved in all of this. Uh, and, Bill Gates would be the most prominent name, and he's been sure. helping to fund the World Health Organization. So whether he marches to their drumbeat or they march to his or they're just in cahoots together from the beginning, uh, that's all debatable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is an agenda for control. Uh, they want to control our lives in mm-hmm. every way yeah. they can. And to do so, um, if if a major crisis can be unleashed, then they can come in and appear to be the saviors to help get people through that crisis. And and so um, you really need major world crises for this agenda to move forward. And, and that's why I think over the next two years, we're going to see some amazing things happen unless the Lord intervenes. And mm-hmm. that is always a possibility, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, right now things are trending in the direction of, of moving forward with all of this. What can what can you know? There, I've seen some organizations spring up saying we're going to come against the WHO. We're going to come against this development for the United States. Uh, and we're going to get out of the UN. Yeah, we're going to get out of the right, UN. I don't right. see that happening. But is there <laughs> is there anything that we can do? Should we write our congressman, or should I don't, is there something we can do? Yeah, um, Michelle Bachman, who I've got the utmost of respect for, yes. uh, she reported live on scene at the World Health Assembly uh, last month from Geneva and was able to do a couple of updates, play-by-plays, really, of what was going on over there. And uh, in my lead article, that just it, uh, our summer issue just went in the mail a, a couple of days ago. And again, you can uh, look for my article online, and Accelerating One World Agenda is the title. Just go to GaryCod.org and uh, uh, hover um, on our homepage over the Update Center, and then click on Archives. Uh, that'll take you to other articles as well. Anyway, the reason I'm telling you this is because in my article, all you have to do is click on the two reports that Michelle Bachman gave, and you can see them, the video uh, reports for yourself. And she goes into a lot of detail uh, regarding what is actually discussed and what we can do about it. And uh, she gives the information on, on who to contact, uh, members of, of the House of Representatives, as well as uh, your two senators and how to get in touch with them. All that information is on there. You just have to uh, click on it. So we've made it as easy as possible. Again, just go to our website, GaryCod.org, and read the article in Accelerating One World Agenda and click on that. We strongly encourage for Christians to be politically involved right now. As far as I'm concerned... Uh, you cannot separate politics from religion. Well, uh, too many people have tried for too long, and that's one reason we're in the yes. mess that we're in. Um, yes. Christian leaders need to be involved in forming their congregations on what's taking place, because pretty soon, unless things change, we're, we're going to lose our freedoms, yeah. and we're going to be like the church in China, having to go into hiding just to uh, continue to worship Christ and, and, and to speak the mm-hmm. truth. 
So, you know, we need to do that and also just help us get this information out as, as quickly as possible. That, that, that's okay. important because I'd say 95% of people have no clue what's going on right. with all of this. Right, and yeah, pastors have to be talking about this, but they're not, and that's one of the reasons we're in the position we're in. But Gary, but Gary, I love your suggestions. Contact Congress, contact representatives, but why do the U.S. Congress and the Senate apparently not have a say in this if Biden can override then go and just go straight to this you know calling it an accord in a yeah. representative republic why did the congress and the senate and the voters and americans have no say well that's why we need to put pressure especially on the senate i think the house might reject this and really call attention to it as it becomes more prominent. They ought to be doing it right now. They they haven't been. But I think this fall, once the simulation exercise begins and people like Jim Jordan and others realize how serious this is, we'll see some members of the House begin drawing attention to it and okay. the dangers of it. Uh, the Senate is more liberal, um, and, and it's very difficult to get anything done there. And so they kind of have us over a barrel because Biden knows that whatever he does, the Senate will support him, or at least there won't be enough people to overturn what he does, which requires a two-thirds vote. And so the way he's been uh, trying to get around uh, this being a, a, a treaty, which would call a lot more attention to it uh, because of the Senate uh, voting on it, is he, he's calling it an accord, and they're just playing with words. And this has happened uh, by other presidents as well, calling things agreements. You know, they did it with NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so there, there are ways around it. Um, if, if they think they can't get it through as, a, as a, an official treaty, they'll just call it something right, else. And unless right. it gets challenged by Congress and overturned, and it would take the House and the Senate uh, to, to do so, um, Right now, the best we can do with who's in place is calling a lot of attention to it, making a lot of noise through the House, and and hopefully the public will uh, come on board and put pressure on their senators as well. Otherwise, it'll be a done deal next May. For those who are thinking this can never happen in America, and for those who might be listening and going, oh, come on, you guys, you're, you're conspiracy theorists here, you're blowing this out of proportion. All it takes is for the World Health Organization to be given the power to declare a global pandemic or an emergency, and then they are officially the managers of that pandemic and emergency. Did I clarify that correctly, Gary Ka? Yes, you did. And if it gets bad enough, um, and and coupled with other potential crises, you always have the possibility of there being a, a national emergency, a type of martial law declared in this country. And then who who would be in control? You know, uh, this shadow government of emergency management that's been put in place, um, everything I'm seeing is the globalists would be in control. I mean, even the Department of Homeland Security, some of the statements coming from them now uh, regarding the border, you, you wonder oh, whose boy. side mm-hmm. they're on. Yes. And, yes. and so that's just the reality that we're in now in our country. Gary, this this simulation thing, uh, you know, it it raises a lot more questions than it answers. <laughs> when does it start? When does it end? What is it involved? Is the whole world involved? Does will it end? Is there is there an open date, but then no end date? Do you know any more about what should we look for as we get towards fall? Um, I, I would say as we get into early September, we'll start hearing more about it regarding specific dates. I just know it's supposed to happen sometime this fall, September, October. And uh, I think the, the person who has been most on top of this particular 
uh, topic has been Michelle Bachman, and and so mm-hmm. I'm looking to her really to find out the exact date. Okay. Um, but but just be looking. I'd say the second half of September, the first half of October. Um, it would be uh, almost impossible to not hear anything about it, uh, especially as more and more members of, of Congress find out about it. Oh. Okay, uh, the uh, House of Representatives. Like I said, we've got we've got some really good people in the House. There's about twenty or thirty of them that are doing their level best to expose these kinds of things, but they really need our prayers because they have their hands so full right now just with all the corruption going on between Biden and China and national security issues, you know, and, and they need to be talking about this this upcoming uh, World Health Organization uh, power grab as well. But they're up to their uh, eyeballs, so to speak, in investigations already, but somehow they need to find the time to uh, begin warning people about this as well. Oh, Gary, I... Could I hear you right? You said corruption in the Biden administration. I've not heard anything about this in the news. So, oh, maybe I should change my sources, right? Stop watching the liberal media. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I just had to make people laugh a little bit about the lighten things up. But let's talk about the economic implications of this. You mentioned in your article the WHO, not the band, but the World Health Organization, uh, in collaboration with the World Economic Forum and the usual suspects there. And you say... It's climate change elite. Um, they're in cahoots with the most influential global banking and financial institutions, and they're already in the process of trying to form this dictatorial world government. And it's happening now. We just don't hear about it. Share a little bit more on that. Yeah, there's been a push for a central bank digital currency. Uh, we've been covering that as well for uh, probably close to three years now, mm-hmm. yes, and um, the powers that be have been busy putting the final pieces in place to make that possible, and the very final piece for such a digital system will be in place by the end of July. So we're looking at weeks now. Oh. now I'm not saying it's going to happen at that time, right, but I'm right. saying it will be in place. The Fed Now program, uh, as it has been named, will provide the necessary electronic infrastructure Uh, to accommodate every individual in the U.S. to conduct all financial transactions without the use of physical cash. So the infrastructure will be in place within weeks. That will be done. So any time after that, they could introduce that. It could be a couple of years yet. It could be two months. Uh, That we don't know. But my guess is they'll try to introduce it alongside of some type of economic crisis just because, to me, it seems like people would be more willing to go along with something if they can convince people that the old system is broken and it has to be replaced with this new system. So I'm half expecting some type of uh, economic crisis um, coming. Uh, But along with this, they're going to use the economics to force people to do things that normally uh, they wouldn't do. Uh, This new system, when it's fully activated, will enable the powers that be to track our every expenditure and move uh, this will represent uh, uh, really a complete loss of our personal privacy and will be a form of enslavement. You're going to have the ruling okay. government central bank being able to micromanage our lives, uh, rewarding or punishing us based on our adherence, for example, to their ESG standards, which we're hearing more and more about that in the news now. Yes. And that's going to be modeled closely um, uh, after China's social credit score system. China's been out in front of this and the West is following them, which is 
really, it's unbelievable, isn't it? That yes. Um, you, I mean, you've got more resistance coming from places like uh, Hungary and <laughs> some of the former East Bloc nations to all of this than you do in the West. Why but is that? Been, well, we've been overtaken by people who over time have bought into the socialist narrative, mm. and that's come straight out of our universities. Yes. I mean, decades ago, these people got control of the teachers' colleges, uh, along the East Coast especially, and, and the West Coast too, and so many of, of uh, the presidents of major universities have gone to these same uh, teachers' colleges or universities, funded by the Rockefeller Foundation and other one-world foundations, so they come out of these institutions with a one-world agenda, and, and then they begin hiring um, uh, people at the universities, professors who share their agenda, and all these people, they have tenure now. I mean, 90% of them, I'm not exaggerating, 90% of college professors in the United States I would put in the socialist camp. Yeah. And you say, how in the world can you say that? Because well, it started well, 75 years to, ago. Yeah, according to a, a poll that I saw a couple of years ago, <clears throat> 93% of college professors voted for Biden. I mean, that's not yeah. showing no balance at all. Right. And right. and in addition to that, approximately the same percentage, it might have been 95% of, of voters in Washington, D.C., voted for Biden. Now, regardless of whether you're Democrat or Republican, people should see that there's something wrong here mm-hmm. when there's that kind of imbalance. And so th- this is an agenda. These people are now fully entrenched in the bureaucracy in Washington. Some of these people have been in, in place for 50 years in the State Department. They come in when they're in their 20s, and they're still working there at age 70. I've met some of those people. I'm speaking from experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, and they hold a socialist worldview, by and large. And the same thing with our universities. And so they've been training our young people so that anyone now under the age of 35 or 40 has very strong socialist leanings, whether they realize it or not. You only have a, a very small percentage of, of our young people uh, who can eloquently speak out against the new world order and understand what's taking place. And thank God for that small percentage. There are some very fine young people out there taking a stand. But a vast majority of them have been seduced by our university system, and they're they're primed to support this UN World Health Organization agenda, and they're militant mm-hmm. about it. And then you throw into the mix the LGBTQ uh, plus uh, <laughs> activists. Yeah, they're on board with all this. And and then you've got your hyper environmental activists. They're on board with all this. So mm-hmm. all these different movements are coalescing and, and coming together as one to support this one world socialist agenda. And it didn't happen overnight. It's no. taken a conditioning that's been going on for decades now. Well, they've got to take over the West in order for them yeah. to accomplish this. Mayor, three minutes? Yeah, just real, uh, we can maybe tease this yep. and talk about when we come back. But the trial balloon for CBDCs, and I didn't see this coming, is Nigeria, um, Africa's first central bank digital currency. And the interesting thing is, um, according to the World Bank, over 55% of the adult population in Nigeria doesn't even have a bank account and they're dependent on physical cash. And so they know, they know this is going to be an absolute disaster. And so I'm guessing this is by design to to bring about some crisis there. And But everyone's watching Nigeria, right? Anything on that, Gary? Just have a couple minutes here. That's, that's right. Um, 
And I think by taking on Nigeria, it, it allows them to work out bugs to see how people will, will react, how to respond to it. Wow. Um, and the poor African nations, I'm telling you, they're targeted. That's where a lot of the vaccine experimentation was going on yep. in, yep. in uh, Western Africa, places like Senegal and so forth. And, and, and they go there and experiment with the people, and then they introduce it and thrust it on the West. Um, there's an excellent article in our summer issue. Again, it just went in the mail a couple of days ago, so most of our um, subscribers would have it by now. Uh, it's called A Preview of the Elite's Cashless Vision for You. And it's written by Nick Giambruno, and he goes into a lot of detail on what they're doing in Nigeria and um, and like you said, um, yeah, you've got a majority of Nigerian people. They don't even have have a bank account, and yet they're forcing this upon them. So wow. people that have never used anything but cash are now having to uh, do all their transactions electronically. Hmm. And so if you can do it in Nigeria, you know you can do it anywhere. Yes. Uh, yeah. But uh, Nick <laughs> came up with five insights. Uh, regarding the introduction of the e-Naira. That's the name of the electronic currency in Nigeria. And we lay those out just very quickly. He says, don't take the bait. He said, in Nigeria, the government implemented discounts and other incentives to increase the adoption of the e-Naira. So he said, here in North America and Europe, expect the governments to require CBDCs to receive welfare payments, a potential universal, universal basic income, uh, so-called inflation relief checks, or whatever you know, the next scheme is. And he said, think of these incentives like cheese in a mousetrap. Mm-hmm. Don't go for them. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, he says, there will be major simultaneous moves to eliminate cash. Um, and and so uh, just doing anything you can to re- reject that, position yourself for that. Uh, the third insight, he says, there's going to be bank restrictions. Uh, most people think that money in the bank is a personal asset, but that's not true. He says once you deposit money at the bank, it's no longer your property. Instead, it's the bank's, and they pretty much do whatever they want with it. So he basically says now is not a time to have a lot of cash just sitting in a bank. It's better to have it in tangible assets. Wow, we've got to pick up on this when we come back. Gary says people will accept any new system that promises peace. We'll talk about that, Russia, Ukraine, and Damascus, the prophecy, when we come back on Stand Up for the Truth. Our social media pages are shadow banned. Thanks for your prayers and sharing our posts at StandUpForTheTruth.com. So the Biden administration is providing over 60% of Ukraine's military support. Where does that money come from? And uh, anyway, but let's get back. Since we're talking about economics here and money, um, Gary, finish our topic here, the thoughts about the banking system and what, what you wanted to share before we move on to a global war potentially. Yeah, there, there, there are, are so many things we can learn from seeing how things are unfolding in Nigeria and what the globalists are, are, are trying to do over there. And probably the number one question we're getting right now is of an economic nature from Christians. They're saying, what do we do? How do we prepare? Mm. And, and, you know, it's good to have some cash on hand. You don't want to spend down to nothing. But I think it's important that we have good, tangible assets of value, things that are usable in a time of crisis. Um, the easiest thing would, you know, gold and silver coins, at least until they, they call those in, uh, would be very uh, helpful, but also um, good farmland, um, uh, housing where somebody's paying you rent, just anything of, of value. 
And when, when times get difficult, the first thing that begins to happen is people barter. Hmm. They say, I'll do this for you. If you're an electrician, I'll do some electrical work at your house if you can do this or that for me. And uh, I always give the example of my mom who grew up in, in uh, Nazi Germany during World War II. Her father, my grandfather, uh, had a cow and they produced butter. And so my mom was able to take piano lessons in exchange for two sticks of butter to the gentleman who gave her lessons. I mean, people get really creative in in times like this, and that's what the Christians had to do in Germany and in Europe during World War II, and we need to be thinking at least some along those lines right now. Wow. there's. I mean, you have a list on your website of uh, items to have during a crisis situation, and to be honest, I read through it, and, and it's a little overwhelming if if you're if you're not even thinking along those terms yet, and you're just looking at this list, going, "Wow, there's a lot to consider." Um, Gary, you're you know, and it, it, it is, and, yeah. and the, I, I held back, and I didn't even <laughs> want to go there because some people then they make that the main focus, you know, yeah, and prepping. we don't want that. But right. we were getting so many questions on it that we finally. Put that up, and nobody I know has done all of those things, including mm-hmm. us. And so it's just to help people think through uh, some of what they might be in a position to do. And and so hopefully from that standpoint, it can be helpful. But I agree, if if you run out and try to do all that well, one day, even um, some of it, <laughs> you'll be overwhelmed. Yeah. Well, and I think what pulled what began to pull the rug out from under the average worker is inflation, because you talk about uh, actually it's Nick Giambrano's article. He says. Um, the Federal Reserve has devalued the dollar by over 88% since 1969. So a $100 bill buys you $12. And I think this is what has wow. started to make people more dependent because we're just dealing with groceries from day to day and the price of food, which is insane. Yeah. And people are still writing, trying to wrap their head around that, and now we're facing CBDC. So I think some of this is just trying to get through the day-to-day if you're working stiff, mm-hmm. you know, or something like that. So don't you think this was the beginning of, of making us dependent, this inflation mess? Sure, sure. I mean, things, food prices are close to 20% more expensive now than they were two years ago, uh, on average. I haven't heard uh, that in the media. Some less than that, some more than that. But, I mean, people are really feeling it there because they're spending a couple thousand a year more just on food. Mm. And, and um, it's, yeah, and, and that's something that also is going to be, uh, the fallout from the CBDC. I think we're going to see rising inflation. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's something that Nick Giambruno observed uh, regarding Nigeria. That was one of his insights that he gained, and, and uh, that and, and social unrest as well. So we just need to be as prepared as we can mm-hmm. be and, and, and trust the Lord mm-hmm. for the rest. But mm-hmm. to sit back and do nothing would be irresponsible. And remember that we are here for such a time as this, and there are people around us in fear and uh, people need to be saved. So we have the exactly. gospel that saves, and uh, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Gary, let's move on to the potential uh, global or world war. Um, Russia, Ukraine, uh, we're giving so much money to Ukraine. It's interesting. Someone had the audacity to ask, uh, sh- is it a good thing? Should the U.S. go to war with Russia? And so, and so a lot of questions are being asked, but you start off this section in your article by saying another incentive, for people to accept a new world order is the hunger for world peace. And we understand when we are squished, pressured into this a sort of crisis or hard times, you're looking for answers and you're almost willing to give up anything in order to pursue peace, safety, security. Talk about that. Yeah, well, well we have the precedent. You know, World War One 
led to the forming of the League of Nations afterwards, and World War II to the forming of the United Nations. And each step wow. took us one uh, <laughs> one step closer to a, a global governance system. And so it stands to reason that a third major global conflict might put it over the top. You know, mm. uh, people are so conditioned now that they might be willing to embrace a system of world government that, has, that says, hey, just think, if we just have one military over the whole world, one system of government, then countries can't fight each other anymore, and we'll finally have world peace. And that will be part of the lure of, of this, uh, this deception. Yeah. And so with the Russia-Ukraine war, uh, the U.S. has been drawn in more and more. Little by little, the U.S. Uh, is becoming involved. We've got soldiers over there now. Yep. Uh, 60% of, um, of what Ukraine uh, has been using in that war is coming from the U.S. So it would not be inaccurate to say the U.S. is already at war with Russia through Ukraine as the proxy. I mean, that, that would not be an inaccurate wow. statement. And, of course, the administration doesn't want to hear that, but that's what's what's going on. And I contend further, and this may not be a popular view, but I believe that globalists actually uh, drew Putin in to do what he did. Um, if you remember the, yeah. the 2014 Sochi Olympics in Russia, it was a time for Putin to show off yes. uh, you know, what they did during those really beautiful Olympics that they put a ton of money toward. And that was the time Western intelligence was involved in helping to overthrow the then pro-Russia government of Ukraine. And when the, when the um, news blurb came across the screen, I was sitting watching the Olympics with, with Audrey, my wife, and I said they poked the bear once too many. I mean, there's no way he's going to take this lying down. Mm. And, of course, within a short period of time, he went into Crimea. Now, you can't tell me that our intelligence communities didn't know exactly that's how Putin would react that's to something right. like that. Mm -hmm. So I believe this, this trap was intentionally laid to mm -hmm. draw Putin in to start the war in Ukraine because they want another war to usher in, ultimately, their new world order. And, and so that's what's unfolding now. We've got this drawn-out war in Ukraine. Uh, where the West, NATO, is funneling a lot of conventional weapons into Ukraine. Uh, Russia is using conventional weapons. Uh, they've got more manpower right now, but Ukraine is getting a lot of money and conventional weapons from the West, and so it's kind of at a standoff. And the longer this drags on, mm. the more unsettled things will become inside of Russia with the people there, because 50,000 estimated Russian troops have now been killed in that war, and another 80,000 injured. That's wow. a lot. Wow. And so why am I telling you all this? Well, the more pressure that Putin feels, like what just happened over the last uh, 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 weekend uh, with the Wagner group, the more pressure he feels to win this war and get it done, and if he can't do it through conventional means, which increasingly it looks like he won't be able to, if he has his back to the wall, what he does have is a lot of cyber technology to be able to try to shut down perhaps our electrical grid uh, here in the U.S. and in the West, or even nuclear weapons. He has as many or slightly more nuclear weapons than the rest of the world combined. Oh, and and so I cringe whenever I hear the media basically mocking Putin, how poorly he's doing in Ukraine and all that. Yep, me too. He's not going to lose. Before he loses, he'll push the button if he has to. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I just, uh, I'm very concerned about the direction of things. And, and I think the globalists have brought us to this point because they want a war in Europe that's going to escalate and terrify the people of the world to the point where they finally will embrace a new global system. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, so anyway, that in a nutshell is kind of where I see things uh, going, unfortunately. And um, I, I'm very close to people in Ukraine. Our publisher into the Slavic countries is in Kiev. They took it upon themselves to translate my book and Roots of Global Occupation into Russian wow. and to get it out to all the Slavic nations from Ukraine. And so I've been over there a couple of times, have spoken uh, in, a, in a church and met with a lot of Christian leaders. And I, I feel for what the people in Ukraine are going through. They're in the middle of this whole thing, and it's, it's just evil, and it's dastardly uh, what is happening there. But I believe it was provoked by the West to mm-hmm. drop Putin in to do what he's doing right now to start World War III. Yeah. And, and is it to bring down Putin? There's a, there's a, a economist just came out two days ago, uh, the humbling of Vladimir Putin. It's very, very <laughs> interesting. And it says the last pretense of Putin to, to be, as he imagines, one of his nation's historic rulers was stripped away on June 24th. And it goes on to say whether Mr. Putin's fall comes soon or in months or years, he stands revealed as a blunderer. He's not a czar, uh, as, He's not so much a czar as simply the top thug in the hollowed-out gangland to which he has reduced Mother Russia. And he looks like a weakened thug. And then it talks about how he doesn't he doesn't trust his own army, he doesn't trust anyone, and that's why he wanted this also thug or murderous mercenary in Africa. Um, what do you think about that? Because it, it, are they trying to just bring down Putin, period, uh, in the West or the powers that be? Is that the goal? I... Uh... I don't think as much that as I mean it, it could be, but I think they're they're trying to push him to the to the wall. Okay. And what's the old saying? Even a mouse will fight if trapped in a corner. Well, Putin isn't a mouse by any stretch. Yeah. But if he has no options left, and mm-hmm. if he realizes okay. he's not going to win this mm-hmm. war through conventional weapons alone, mm-hmm. their doctrine, their military military doctrine for over ten years now has been that it is acceptable to use nuclear weapons if necessary to win sure. a war. They've moved away from the doctrine that existed back in Ronald Reagan days, which was MAD, Mutually Assured Destruction, <laughs> which basically uh, held that, you know, if, if you hit a nuclear button, we're going to hit it here, too, and we'll destroy each other. So neither side will do anything because they recognize that. Mm-hmm. But they've moved away from that now. And so uh, nuclear weapons are a viable option. And, and the head of the Wagner Group, who opposed um, uh, Putin, um, he's been putting pressure on Putin for not being tough enough. Uh, for not doing enough in in Ukraine. So if anything, Putin is feeling more pressure now uh, to become more, you know, to to crack down harder on any of his military generals that maybe aren't pulling uh, their share of the load the way they ought to. Uh, He's becoming desperate, Mm -hmm. and that's dangerous as I see it. Okay, so who's going to blink, I guess, is... Yeah, Yeah, so, all right, Gary, we've got 10 minutes left, and we need to talk about Israel. Um, Iran is close to nuclear war capability. Uh, we need to talk about Israel's dilemma that you get into a little bit uh, in your article, and then the prophecy concerning Damascus. Uh, talk about Israel first. Yeah, uh, you know, Israel's biggest nemesis right now is Iran. Uh, I mean, they have said repeatedly, uh, many of their leaders, not just a couple, that their main goal is to annihilate Israel and wipe them off the face of the earth. And uh, due to our U.S. policies, it's enabled Iran uh, to develop nuclear capability, and they now have enough fissile material for a nuclear bomb. Uh, I personally believe they have probably achieved the, the nuclear bomb now and are in the technical process of trying to mount such a bomb on their missiles. I think that's where things are at right now. Uh, you know that Israel is watching this very closely 
they're going to have to make uh, some very difficult decisions on, on how to deal with all of this. And so their dilemma is this. Uh, do they launch a preemptive strike in order to have a military advantage, but in so doing provoke the hatred of the, of the world against mm. it? I mean, you can imagine how the media <clears throat> will react around the world. Or... Uh, does Israel wait to respond until after being attacked and thereby lose its advantage but hope to keep at least some global sentiment on its side? And, and my view, which I stated in my article, is that Israel is going to be hated worldwide no matter what they <laughs> exactly. do, no matter when and how they respond. So it would probably be to Israel's advantage, not probably, it would be to Israel's advantage uh, to make a preemptive move sooner rather than later. Mm. If they do so, I think we could expect something yet. There's a, a, a high probability that they'll do something yet this year. Not for certain, but a high yeah. probability. But once such a war begins, the possibility of a nuclear exchange would be very real, obviously, because Israel would know that Iran has that capability. Uh, Russia has that capability. Russia mm-hmm. has advisors in Syria, as does Iran. Uh, they've made Damascus their, their hub. Uh, Russia as well as Iran. So they have a lot of a lot at stake in Syria. There's a, a wow. tight alliance between these countries now, and so uh, Damascus, which has become a staging ground mm-hmm. and, and command center for both Iran and Russia, would be a likely target for Israel. And so that brings to mind a yet to be fulfilled prophecy from Isaiah chapter 17, mm-hmm. verse one, and it says. An oracle concerning Damascus. See, Damascus will no longer be a city, but will become a heap of ruins. That's a a direct quote from Scripture. As things stand, Syria's capital, Damascus, is the oldest continuously inhabited major city in the world, even older than Jerusalem. But that could all change quickly. The Bible doesn't lie. This prophecy will be fulfilled. It hasn't happened yet. And I think we're getting closer and closer to that possibility when you look at how things are shaping up uh, in the Middle East and how important Syria is in all of this, uh, in part because their geographic location. They stand between Israel and Iran, and and again, that's where the staging is taking place for an attack against Israel. Um, But it's even bigger than that because Hezbollah in, in southern Lebanon uh, has advanced rocket systems by the tens of thousands aimed at, at, at Israel. And then you've got Hamas and, and the Islamic Jihad organization in the Gaza Strip. And so Israel's surrounded now, except from the south. <laughs> and and they're, they're going to have to do something soon. Mm-hmm. Well, you um, stress the point before you get into some final thoughts in your article. And we can go there, because we need to encourage believers with the truth of Scripture, and these prophetic events. You say this is, at its core, a battle between good and evil. We know there's forces of darkness, there are minions, there are spirits, and but, you know, the enemy uses human beings and corrupt governments, right, Gary? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, everyone has a worldview, mm. which means right. everyone has a religion, uh, atheists say they don't have a religion, but their religion is atheism. That's their worldview. Uh, the decisions they make are based upon mm-hmm. that worldview. Yes. And it's a demonic worldview. Marxism, if you study Karl Marx and what he really believed and the type of despicable person he is, uh, David Jeremiah just did an excellent series on Marxism, socialism, mm-hmm. and Karl Marx, quoting from people who knew Marx, like his neighbors and friends. He was a despicable mm-hmm. character. 
And for anybody to even want to be a Marxist today, if they understood uh, where this all came from, they, they'd have to think twice about it. But it's, it's demonic. It's rooted in the demonic realm, as are you know, the teachings of the New Age, interfaithism, the idea that all religions are pathways to God, which, yeah. if you think about it, makes a mockery of Christ's death on the cross. Because if all the religions that surrounded Israel at the time were pathways to God, there would have been no reason for Christ to come and die on the cross and, and uh, uh, pay for our sins, because all the religions were already pathways to God. Everything would have been hunky-dory mm-hmm. as it was. So this, the deceptions are on so many different fronts, but it's all aimed at diminishing the Christian worldview and suppressing it and, yeah. and squishing it. Because as long as there is a strong Christian worldview and a significant percentage of the population walking with Christ and understanding the Bible and living by it, it it's very difficult for these people to bring about this this agenda. Mm. And they know that. And so that's why we're seeing the vicious attack on Christianity in this country and elsewhere in in the world. That's right. The truth is, it is very exclusive. Jesus is the way. There aren't many pathways to God. You know, let's just clarify, Gary, indirectly, because everybody will be judged and will stand before God, but that's not a pathway to heaven and eternity with him in his presence. So for salvation, there's only one way. Jesus is it. So we understand this worldview against God and his representatives, Christians, uh, ambassadors on this earth. Oh, exactly. I mean, that's, you know, Jesus, when he came into the world physically, uh, bled and died on the cross and rose again and ascended into heaven. That was the pinnacle moment of history. Everything else rotates around that. Ever Mm -hmm. since then, Satan has done everything possible through other world religions and worldviews uh, to try to attack the gospel and the truth of the gospel, because he doesn't want to see people uh, go to heaven and be with God for all eternity. He wants to take as many as possible right. and and um, uh, punish them in hell, just like what he's going to get. Um, you, you think that Satan understands uh, what his ultimate um, punishment will be, but I've also heard it said the greatest liars are those who believe their own lies, for all we know, Satan may think he can win this. We don't know for sure what exactly what's going on hmm. in his head. Interesting. But anyway, he wants to thwart God's purposes and God's plan of salvation. It's, it's God's will. Uh, he, he wants all people uh, to come into the truth and be saved. Scripture makes that clear. Mm-hmm. But today, a majority of the people in the world would not be going to heaven if they died right now because they've rejected Christ. And so from a numerical standpoint, that gives a lot of satisfaction to Satan. He's just trying to to thwart God's plan to keep as many people as possible from embracing God's truth and his plan for eternity, which is only one, and that's through Jesus Christ, which is made uh, clear in John 14, 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. And, And so that's where the battle is being fought, mm-hmm. and we're seeing that today mm-hmm. in the in the in the physical realm uh, uh, mm-hmm. being played out. Uh, a, really, a spiritual right. battle being played out in the physical. Absolutely. Realm. Well, and now is the day of salvation because the Bible also addresses strong delusion, lying signs and wonders. It's going to be harder and harder to get to the truth. Yes. As especially once the church is gone, there was so much spiritual activity when Jesus was here on Earth the first time. A lot of demonic activity. Yes. Yeah. And so I think that we can basically, well, we know it'll be the same when he, when he comes the second time. Once the church is gone, 
on, it's going to be harder and harder to get saved, and you will pay for it with your life. So now is the day of salvation, and so the church needs to be abundantly about uh, the Father's business. Yes, and Gary, thank you for mentioning the word thwart. I'm trying to bring that back into modern vocabulary. I think of seriously when you said that. There's a one verse in Scripture I think about thwart. Uh, Job forty two two says, "I know you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted." I love that. I I remember that scripture. And I want to go over to Bible Gateway today because their verse of the day is fascinating and it goes right along with what we're talking about, Gary Ka. Zechariah 14.9 says, And the Lord will be king over all the earth. In that day, the Lord will be the only one and his name the only one. Gary, in the last two minutes, close the podcast with uh, just some thoughts concerning the word and the hope that we have and that Jesus is returning soon. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, in in my article, I, you know, after presenting all this difficult stuff that we're having to deal with, I say, fortunately, the same Bible that gives us these warnings also offers us incredible hope. And we know that when Jesus returns, he will overthrow Satan's world order and establish his millennial reign of peace on earth, which you just referred to from Zechariah 14. But you also, Joel chapter 3, verses 1 through 21, are very powerful mm. concerning Israel and its future. And also Revelation chapter 19 and 20, Matthew 24, where Jesus in his own words talks about what is going to happen. He's, he's going to win this battle in the physical realm. He's already won it spiritually for those who believe in him. But um, one of my favorite passages in the New, in the New Testament is Second Thessalonians uh, chapter two verse eight it says, "And then the lawless one, referring to the Antichrist, will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of His mouth and destroy by the splendor of His coming." Mm. In other words, it's going to be a slam dunk, no contest. Jesus is going to win this when He returns uh, at the Battle of Armageddon. You know there. Uh, the Antichrist and the human forces uh, gathered with him will not stand a chance. So uh, we can take a great deal of assurance um, and comfort in knowing that God will win and all who remain faithful to Jesus will receive their reward. Mm. And uh, in Revelation 22, 12, and 13, yes. Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Hmm. Praise God. Amen to that. He is past, present, and future, beginning, the end, and he is with us now. He will never leave us or forsake us. Gary Kaw, K-A-H dot O-R-G. Brother, we really appreciate you, and uh, we had a conversation before we got on the podcast. I encourage you who are listening to pray for Gary and Audrey and their health, and that Gary will continue to do as we are going to all try to do the work that he has called us to, to glorify Jesus. Yes, and Gary, on your on your site, I love this, org. he said, Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Psalm yes. 31, 24. All you who hope in the yes. Lord. God bless you, Gary. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, God Gary. bless you. All right, friends, Monday, we've got J.B. Hickson. Um, we're talking about America, the 4th of July, independence, freedom, so many things we've taken for granted, and we've just come so far in what we've given up as far as our freedoms. We need to go back and talk about some of our founders and their worldview, biblical foundations that uh, the public school system mm-hmm. doesn't teach, the education system 
anymore. It's been rewritten, much yeah. of it. So, Mayor, I, I just can't wait to talk on a different subject, yeah. really, with JB. Well, especially as our Monday. independence, we're seeing it evaporate with the wind. Oh, and so it's, it's really important. Yes. Well, friends, thank you again. Have a great weekend. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.